All right, I'm excited. This is great. I just realized as I was coming up, I've been trying not to put my hands in my pockets. Looks like I'm nervous. But these pants have like little girl pockets. They're like, so I look kind of ridiculous if I put my hands in my pockets. Um, yeah, really excited. We're in Ephesians 3 tonight. Um, I've been kind of thinking about it for a good couple of weeks now. Whenever he preaches, I get a chance to like simmer. Um, and really, Ephesians 3, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me. Um, there's some Bibles on the little tables, um, and it's going to be great. Uh, what, I've, what I've kind of been kind of mulling over is the, the fact that this is all about the mystery of Christ. Um, in Colossians, they call it the mystery of Christ, the mystery of God. Everywhere, it's kind of mystery. And, and I started reading, you know, what is the mystery? And I realized that, like, modern-day Christians aren't going to be excited about what the mystery of Christ is because it's revealed in, in verse 6. It says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. And Gentiles are just not Jews. And so that's most of us, 99%. And, and so it's not really exciting to say, you know, there's this mystery, and, and the mystery is that you'll be fellow heirs with the Jews. You're going to be part of this great religion. Because ever since we all came to know Christ, it's always been total, exclu- or, you know, you've been, you're, you're, you're in it. There's, there's no, like, exclusions or anything. And so when we're, pre- we're talking about the mystery, we're not getting super excited about it. And so I, I kind of went back and I was like, God, you know, what, what in this chapter is exciting? And uh, I kept coming back to the same thing. And it's, uh, it's Ephesians 3, uh, 12. And it's, it's, it stuck out like crazy, but I couldn't figure out what it meant. Um, and it's Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. And I thought, oh, we'll talk about faith. It's going to be exciting. Is it up there? Cool. And, and, uh, and I, every time I read it through, I got really excited about this word confidence. And I, I didn't know what that meant at all. Um, and so I just gave up and went back to, you know, reading about whatever I was excited about. And, and I realized, like, every chapter I got to, there was some verse about confidence. So, you know, I was convinced, all right, fine, we'll, we'll talk about confidence and figure out what it means. Um, but I did the Sean thing. I was like, self-confidence. Let's talk about, you know, how I can be a Christian, how I can do things. And, uh, and that doesn't ever work out. And so I, I immediately, as I started, like, putting together this thing about, like, how we can, you know, serve Christ, um, I read uh, Philippians, what, 3, 3 through 4, and it's Paul talking about his confidence in the flesh. It's just God punching me in the face, essentially. Um, it says, although I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. And then he goes on to say about how he's like the super Jew. I mean, everything he does is perfect. He was born, he was circumcised he, on the right day at the right hour, and like everything he did, just perfect. And, uh, and then it, he ends by saying, but with all these things as a gain, I, have, I count them as a loss. And he's essentially saying, I have all of the, this great heritage, but I can't really rely on it because of who Christ is and all he's done. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, then what, what is this confidence that, that Paul keeps talking about everywhere? It's in, you know, Colossians, Philippians, Galatians, like anything he writes, he puts confidence at the end of it. Um, and so I'm just going to kind of talk through some of the different ways that confidence is such a big part of our lives. And uh, I think it's a beautiful idea because of what Eric talked about last week, which was sitting. Um, and it was just resting, abiding. It's, Christianity doesn't begin with doing things. It begins with just, begins with just resting in what Christ has done. You've, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You're a son. 
there's, there's nothing, sons or daughters, sorry, there's nothing you need to, like, there's no ground you need to take. You can just be who he's called you to be. And so what I've begun to realize is that you, you can't sit in something uh, that you don't have confidence in. I was picturing this, like, three-legged, like, super rickety chair. You're not going to, like, plop down. You're going to just kind of avoid that. And it's the same thing. If, if, if our confidence in Christ is shaken at all, we cannot rest in who he is. And so um, what I want to talk about is the importance of confidence in our lives and then how Satan hates that and then what he wants to do about it. Um, so if you can, turn to 1 John 2.28. Um, this is kind of the, the, the first one I immediately thought of, which was, um, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And this is the, the prototypical, like, Christian confidence. It's, I'm about to die. Do I, am I good with it? It, it's, it's confidence, you know, if I was to say Jesus comes back in two hours, would, do you like bust out your Bible and start like trying to, you know, forget forgiveness for all these things? Or is it just like a, all right, cool, I'm going to get a Starbucks and wait. Like, it, it, there's a question in my, I mean, in my life, um, especially I go to church and they're like, all right, we're going to take communion, prepare yourselves. And I like sit down, everybody else is still worshiping and having fun. And I'm like going through my day and my life and I'm like just trying to like prepare myself. And, and I realized, like, at some point, like, that's ridiculous. I don't need to do anything like that. And so as I'm, uh, and so now, like, if I hear, you know, we're going to have communion, I get excited. Like, not because it's snack time, but because it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. It's, it's the, one of the most intimate things we can do with Jesus. And so, you know, I don't have to worry anymore. Um, and, and I just kept asking myself that through the week, throughout the week, like, if I'm going to die in six hours, will my life change at all? And, and it's that, you can use it as a meter of your confidence in your life. Are you fully confident in what Christ has said? You know, I've come to forgive you. God now sees you as, through a lens of what I've done. Nothing you can do will change your love or my love for you. If that's fully confident in your life, you can walk in a completely different manner than someone who's just kind of shifting through life. And I'm going to talk about how shame and those kinds of things are Satan's best tool in this area. Um, but... Confidence when we deal with Christ and our own mortality is important, but I'd also like to talk about confidence on our petitions. And this is just prayers. This is the one that for the last two or three weeks has been really, really difficult for me. Um, and that's also 1 John. 1 John 5, if you turn a page. It says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And there's just a huge amount of verses in the Bible that are just, if you ask, you will receive. Ask, seek, knock, I'll open. You know, if you're walking in my commandments, I'm going to bless you. It's just, there's huge amounts of promises of God just pouring out in our lives. And, and Satan, in my life, in the last, like, three months, has just been like, he doesn't hear your prayers. You're praying not according to his will. You know, he just, like, rocked me. And, and really, it comes out of two, like, difficult things that have happened in the last two years. I, I came out of college with this, like, you know, I'll go on and on about these two not that difficult things, but to me, they were earth-shaking. I came out of college, master's, I'm going to get a job, it's going to be dope, I'm going to get this car, I'm going to get this house, and I had all these expectations, and I ended up living, like, a year in my parents' house on, like, a twin-size bed in an 8 by 10 room. It was super not glamorous, and it just, like, my expectations were just utterly dashed, and I was just, like, it killed me because I had all these things like, you know, while you're in grad school, you're like, everybody's talking about the job they've already got and I'm just sitting there like twiddling my thumbs and worrying and, and, 
and then I got a job, and it's ridiculous, awesome, I love it. And, and then I'm like, all right, I'm going to get married now. I've got a fiancé, dated for like seven years, and that fell through. You know, she, you know, moved on, and it was killer for me. Like, I just, it was devastated, and really, the devastation was in all my dreams and expectations. I had her face in it, and, uh, and I realized, like, man, and so I started, like, secretly holding all my hopes and expectations far from God. I white-knuckled everything. And, and Satan kind of realized this, and so when I'm, I'm praying, he's going, no, you're not, you're not really praying about anything of value. God doesn't want to do those things. He kept trying to convince me that God is not who he says he is. And really, uh, it was really cool. I'm, I'm praying one day, and, and I feel this, you know, I can feel this ceiling over everything I'm saying. It just, there's a perceived ceiling. And, and God gives me this picture of basically, he says, you know, just in the same way that this Lamb's Book of Life. So I write down every name of the people that are coming to me. I have a book, and I write down every single prayer that you say. I'm excited. They come up like incense. And he's describing to me basically how beautiful my prayers are, and he's excited about it. But even still, like, this is a constant struggle in my life. Like, right now I'm buying a house, and I'm excited about, like, relationships and all these things, and I'm, like, trying not to think about buying my house or, like, so I don't get excited so that when I don't get it, I won't be, like, devastated. It's just, like... I, I'm holding back from the, who Christ is. He's good. He has plans that are better than I can imagine. I mean, everything, like the unemployment, saved me from a life of searching after stupid things. I mean, I would have been that American dream douchebag who just, like, no one really wants to know. And even in marriage, I was not ready to be the man of God I was supposed to be. I was not loving like I should. And so God does everything that I perceived as, like, super hardcore was just God being gracious with who he was. And Satan likes to just, like, lie and just these kind of, it's ridiculous. He hates confidence in us. The first thing we do when we're, like, sitting is we rest down. And, and so instead, what I want to get to is that Satan doesn't immediately begin tempting us when we're sitting because we're already confident in who Christ is. He wants to destroy that chair we're sitting on and convince us that God isn't who he says he is. He can't stand confidence. It just, it's completely counter to everything he wants to do. So we have confidence in our prayers, apparently. We have confidence in death, in who Christ is, in just heaven. I have, I have all of that to look forward to. But we also have confidence in times of trouble, in times of great need. And immediately as I'm start, I start, I read Psalms like every couple days because David was just hyper poetic and I want to, you know, sound like him. I want to look like him. I want to be like him. So I'm, I'm reading through Psalms and I get to Psalms 27. Um, Verses 1 through 3. And he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Though the army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. And he goes on and he's more, is it up there? Yep. And then he goes on and he says, In this I will be confident. And that's really who David was. He was constantly saying, Oh, woe is me. Like everybody's around me. They're trying to kill me. Like the evil people are bad. And, and you just, he was constantly whining. And then he would always end with, But I'm confident in who you are and I, I trust you, and you are my shield, and you are my righteous right hand. Like, you, everything I have is in you. And, and really, it's because David understood confidence in Christ is really what gets us past all of these things. What in your life requires confidence? I mean, for me, it was the job market. I, I needed to just trust that God would do what he said he would do. But even like in, once you get the job, you know, the boss can be a jerk. You need confidence in God to save you from this jerk. I mean, in every area of our lives, we should be standing on what Christ has said. 
within family lives. You can have a, a father or a mother or a brother who treats you horribly poorly. And, and you go to God, God, this is not the way I pictured it, but I trust you. I'm confident in who you say. I'm your son, your daughter. You have plans and purposes, and you can just bring back the truth. But it's all about going back in confidence to who God says he is. And my favorite one, I've been, this is the one I've been stuck in for the, forever because for every time I've kind of like flamed and then fizzled, like God has always brought me back. I, I mean, I have, I have a brother right now who's not really walking with the Lord. He'll, he got really excited about who God was and then just, just peaced out. And, and for some reason, God just always pulls me back. There's a God-shaped hole in my heart and I can't cram it with anything else. I'm going to buy my dream car and I got a job and like you'd think that I'd be happy but like without God in my life I'm useless and, and the, it's, it's God being the author and the finisher of our faith he, he says I will be the author and the finisher he didn't just say I'm going to be the author and leave you to dwindle and fight it on your own no I'm the finisher of your faith and so I was reading Philippians I love Philippians Philippians 1 6 it says being confident of this very thing that he has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ he didn't say being confident that you might barely stumble across the finish line no he who started a good work is going to complete it that should give you yes <laughs> exceptional confidence in, in in who God is I mean we don't have to like worry and wander and I mean as Christians Blessed with every spiritual blessing. There's a God who goes before us in love. He says, I will stand behind you, and I will say, this is the way, walk in it. He, he is constantly just all around us excited. At, at one point in my life, I was just super bummed. I was in college feeling like I was nowhere near God. And as a kid, my dad would walk with me, like I'm like five, six, and he would put his arm like on the back of my neck, and in like heavy traffic, like tons of people, he would just steer me around. And I used to love that feeling. Like I'd just kind of like go wherever. And he'd like every once in a while just like wall. And he'd just like, <laughs> it was so funny. But like I'm, 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 I'm uh, one day I'm praying and I get this like feeling like I'm, I'm super disappointed by the fact that I don't feel like God's in my life. I can't, I can't tangibly feel him. And then I feel this hand on the back of my neck. It was ridiculous. And, and, and basically like that, he is so gracious in just making sure you never feel like it's just you. And that should, that should create such confidence in us that he's the author and the finisher. There's another verse in 1 Thessalonians. It says, 523, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body. That's, that's everything, spirit, soul, and body. He covered everything. And he said, Be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. So it's not just, I mean, a couple weeks ago we talked about the calling of God, but he says, he who calls you will do it. So that should bring tremendous confidence in our lives. I, for the longest time, was really worried about my own Christian walk. I'd get really excited about who God was, take two steps up the, like, spiritual escalator, and then start falling back down again. And one day, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm praying, and I see this vision, not a vision, that's super holy. I just see a picture of just the staircase, and I'm going up it. And each time I get to a new step, he just kind of like puts the staircase here. He raises the floor. So there's no way for me to fall back. He's just, he wants me to keep going, and he's going to make sure that I get there. And, and, it, and it breathes confidence into my life. Like I, I, I have a complete confidence now um, in just his ability to do things. I'm, you know, I, two days ago, 
We're getting ready for the Bible study, and it's really exciting. And, and my loan, which is for my house, which was just flying through. Like, I started looking on the 8th, and I now have a house. Like, that doesn't happen that fast. But the guy calls me, and he's like, you're $1,700 and your loan, and everything you've done so far is about to fall through. And he's like, that's it. Have a good day. And, and I was, you know, I started to freak out a little bit. And I was like, no, wait. I'm preaching on confidence. I'm not doing this. And, and I just said, no, like, God, this is so... Satan trying to screw with me. I mean, the Bible study is going to be exciting. This, this talk on confidence, I can't wait to talk about. And, and I just kind of, you know, that's not truth. And the next day he called me up and he's like, I'm sorry, your, house, your loan's going through. And then just as I get here, he's like, your loan's done. So like, I have a house now. It's nuts. I was just telling someone, it's great. I've got this house with like a walk-in closet and like a twin-size bed. Like I own nothing. <laughs> And I, I don't even have, like, furniture. I'm going to buy, like, that blue painter tape and, like, paint out or, like, tape out, like, that's my couch and, like, pictures and, like, have a housewarming party and just no one step on my couch. It, it's going to be great. But um, besides our confidence in his ability to finish us, um, we have confidence in our high priest. He says, you know, Christ didn't just do his work and then peace out and leave us uh, you know, with the Holy Spirit, he, he's still infinitely involved in everything we're doing in life. If you read uh, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we have, may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. There's, there's, no, there's, no word, there's no confidence in there, but there's a huge amount of confidence in there. Like Christ has done it all and he's up there now he's not i mean if you perceive god as like this angry god you know you think that he's currently judging everything you do but he's up there seated at the right hand of the father speaking on our behalf and pleading our cause and just it's it i have so much confidence in who he is and and he says he's, he can sympathize with our weakness yes he didn't sin but i mean i'm pretty sure he was tempted and, and so he can recognize like man that's got to be pretty difficult. Like, and and he, there's one verse that says that he won't allow us to be tempted more than we can bear. He will provide a way out. That's a, that's a loving God. He's not just constantly throwing tests in our way for the sake of testing us. Like, he wants us to do really well in life. He wants us to be the men of God, women of God that he's called us to be. And, and if, you, if you like, if you want to learn more about this idea of confidence in, in Christ and, and what he's done, I would urge you to just pop open Hebrews. There's, it's just constantly him talking about boldness and confidence and just faith in who Christ is. I, I don't want to get into it because I, uh, I'll just, I'll bog down. <laughs> I like him. Um, but really what I want you to get from that is that, that Jesus is currently sitting at the right hand of the Father, excited about what you're doing and wanting just to uphold you and and develop you like picture a loving father you do not have your he doesn't your your parents they don't like you know well in theory they don't just plop you in front of a tv for your full development like they want you to you know memorize the times tables like all these terrible things they they're interested in your full development so from at every point in your life they're protecting you from certain things they're teaching you certain things uh, parents are exceptionally excited about developing their kids they read stupid vi books and re watch videos when the kids can't speak like they want to they're working on being a good parent and we've got the best father in heaven who has a plan of development for your life 
And it's not like he's fully content with where you're at. He wants to see you grow. And so he's working on it currently. And, and for me, the, the, last thing, the last verse that I'm really excited about is, is confidence in, in, in how it creates peace in our lives. I've got this Bible, and it's, it's, you know, it's one of those black leather ones, sweet. If, if it was a cat, and you like threw it up, you know, the cat's always laying on their feet, like this would just, Isaiah 32. Like every time for, since I bought it, like it makes no sense. And there's this one verse in here, I highlighted, I was like, ooh, that's cool. And I had no idea of the meaning, but every time now I open the Bible, I get like one, what one line means. And God has been slowly making each line a part of my life. And, and right now it's really cool because the, the, the line that he's teaching in my life is the confidence line. Like he just got done with, not done, but he, he just, you know, introduced me to the line before it. So Isaiah 32, 15, this is my like absolute love this verse. Until the spirit is poured out from us on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is counted as a forest. So that's the spirit being poured out and then two stages of growth. So not the like, you know, normal Christian, like, you know, barely taking steps, but like I want growth and I want it to remain. I want it to stay. And then he said, then justice will dwell in the forest and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. Suddenly it's not me trying to be righteous all the time. It's Christ's righteousness remaining in my life. Like I just have confidence in, in the fact that he says I'm righteous and that's all I need. And then he says, the work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. There's such tremendous peace in my life. I mean, me and, me and Noff have been getting together and we're like, what's going on in your life? And he's like, peace. That, that, like it's just, it's it doesn't make any sense, but like, you know, everything could be going wrong in my life, and I have this tremendous peace because God loves me, and he looks down, and he's excited, and he, he's just kind of been speaking this into my life, and I, I know he's speaking this into your life. Every, I, I'm, I, I have the opportunity now, like, now that I've got a job, I don't have to, you know, scratch for uh, I've spent all my time trying to find a job that I couldn't do anything else. Now that I've got a job, I get to enjoy relationships. And so I have like all these great guy friends that I'm hanging out with, and every one of them is amped on God. Like God is saying something in their lives. And so everyone is going to be some, at some stage in this, this verse. But when it says in the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever, in my Bible that assurance is confidence. And it's so cool. There's, there's a, the, when the peace comes, there's just a, a confidence in that. But lately, it's been a struggle in, in, because Satan doesn't like me being confident. Like, he doesn't like me. I, I, when I, I came from this, this time when I was really, like, stone-hearted. Like, I would not cry. I had this, like, mentality that guys don't cry and I'm not going to do it. And then, you know, I got saved at some point. And I just... I started weeping constantly about the stupidest thing, like Downey's commercials, like <laughs> football commercials. Like it, did, it made no sense, but I was like super hyper soft, and it was great. And then uh, I started like enjoying the way that I could, you know, connect in worship, and when I, I could like actually feel what people are going through. And but you cannot, I, you can't stay in like a state, a constant state of like weepy tenderness it just it's not possible. God is a God that hides Himself and then shows Himself. Like He wants you to pursue him so he's not going to always be like so clearly evident right in front of you because then you just get used to just chilling with him and you don't actually pursue 
And so he wants me to pursue, so he's just hiding himself a little bit. And in that time, God's like, he's not here. And, and, and I have to just, no, that's not true. He's here. I got to just be quiet and confident in the fact that my peace, my righteousness, my hope, everything is founded in who Christ is. And everybody, I know everybody experiences that. Where some days, every, it's just like a great worship set and there are people crying and laughing and like falling over and it's just like, and you feel zero, zilch, nothing. You're like, man, am I not saved? Is there something wrong with me? No. God wants you to pursue him so he's going to allow himself to be hidden. But he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am there always. But we need to have the confidence in those verses, the truth that he will never leave us nor forsake us. If that's not part of our lives, when he hides himself, we will despair. I mean, I think David didn't fully understand this. Every, he was constantly like, don't hide yourself from me. It's like, God, and he constantly said it over and over again. Like, don't hide. I love you. You're, be near me. Like, show yourself to me. Like, he just, he wasn't used to this the way that God is. We should have peace always. And, and. If these are the thing, these are just some of the ways that confidence is important in our lives. This is like two days worth of me looking for confidence and just like looking for self-confidence and getting slapped in the face and then like going back to reading other things. There's so much more we have to be confident in. But Satan can't stand our confidence. Like he, he doesn't like it at all. There was this point in my life when I went from... Um, feeling really just useless. Like every time sin would come, I just fail. Like I, I felt this weight of like sin that I just, I'm not any good at anything. And, and then one day, you know, Christ started showing me who he was and my righteousness in him. And suddenly I, when it says, I have been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live. You know, the new has come, the old is gone. Like those suddenly became real. It's like when, you know, someone's fallen in love and they're like, suddenly I know what all the like, beautiful love songs mean like God did that in my life and so like it was really awesome for a minute and I felt like zero sin like there was no way for me to fall because that's just not who I am and so Satan instead of like trying to tempt me he like he took a break and he thought about it like I'm not gonna get this guy by like flashing some woman's legs I'm gonna I have to do something else and so he started eroding my confidence in Christ he, he, he started attacking my position and if anybody's ever read uh, Screwtape Letters, has anybody? It's, it's, it's an amazing book in which uh, C.S. Lewis is, is basically you know, making up this, this correspondence between two uh, like demons that are trying to tempt these guys. And they're coming up with like, different ways of doing it. And they're like, talking strategy. And it's really interesting. Like, I'm pretty sure God, Satan has a strategy for our lives. And what I, like, what I want to do is I want to see his strategy coming. Like if you, there's a verse that says in, in, uh, in Proverbs, um, and I have no idea where it is, and Noph's going to make fun of me. <laughs> but um, it says uh, that the wise see a snare and hide themselves, and the simple pass on and perish. And, and if we are sitting, and if this is where God is leading us to just relax in who he is, we should see that Satan's now going to try and destroy our confidence in Christ. He's not going to, you know, constantly try and speak or try to tempt us. He may change his tactics. And so seeing his tactics ahead of time will help us. A couple of the ways that he tried to erode my confidence was 
uh, first of all, he came against my ability to pray. You know, I already told you about that. I just, I felt like I couldn't pray for anything I wanted. I could only pray for these super holy things. Um, the other one was he tried to teach me. He tried, Satan tried to describe to me like, you, you're Christian, you've been covered, but now it's up to you. Diligence and hard work. And he, I, all these, every passage or every talk I went to at church was all about like righteousness and like the like willpower and self-control. And so I started like down that path and like my willpower is useless. I've gone over that. Like I cannot do that. And, and that only leads to shame because you fail and then you just get dis- distracted or disappointed. He also tried to get me, I, you know, I, I, I'm growing in my love for Christ, but I, I can't feel a full love for Christ. Like, I'm learning to love him for what he did, but there's, there's a, Jesus says if, if two people are, are, are um, forgiven, one of them owes $5, one of them owes $50,000. Which one of them is going to love the guy that forgave him more? Well, clearly the $50,000 guy is going to be really amped, and the $5 guy is just going to go buy a Starbucks. Like, it's not going to affect him at all. And so Satan was, like, you know, very cunning. He said, well, the reason you don't value what Christ has done is because you don't feel the weight of your sin. Remember when you, make a dis- when you disappoint him so that you will feel the great void that he has gotten rid of. But that just heaps shame on my life. He just wanted to create separation in my life. And he wants to do the same thing in your lives. I mean, we know that there are a finite number of demons. At some point in the Bible, it says it. And there are billions and billions of Christian, or people. How does he keep all of us, I mean, how does he keep people in general, like, oppressed? It's not this, like, movie theater thing where, you know, you got, like, demon and angel and, like, everybody's got their own. No, they, they, they don't have the staffing. Like, they can't do that. <laughs> they, they don't have it. So instead of, like, constantly tempting, they want to get you, Satan wants to get you stuck in some cyclical loop in which you try to do, you're like, you're like the NASCAR ring of death. Like, you're just constantly going around and around in circles, and you never get anywhere because, if you don't realize it. So if, if Satan has these, these plans and purposes, he came, I've come to, he came to steal, kill, and destroy. It doesn't say anything about tempt. He wants to steal and, and destroy our lives, and, and it's all about deceit. So it's lies. When we are confident in Christ, our position, our identity, he does not tempt us. He, he tries to discourage us. Like, there will still be temptation, but I, I, I feel, you know, as I'm kind of growing up in who Christ is, he wants to come at me with discouragement and like constantly tries to like speak to my mind satan hates our confidence and and it's i i, I was reading uh i was i was listening to a book on tape decently nerdy it was the uh screw tape letters it's the only reason i remember it but um it's these two demons are talking to each other and it says like sin in itself is an okay way to you know screw with christians but shame is the best because with sin, there's some inherent pleasure. And their goal is, you know, they want us to be as far, as far apart from God as possible without giving us any pleasure. So they, they, if they can heap shame on your life, you're just going to be carrying this weight around. And, and even if you're trying to get close to God, there's going to be this perceived distance. And so shame, as, I, as I started, like, studying what it meant to be confident in who God was, I began to realize that shame is, is the opposite of our confidence. Like, you cannot be 
fully confident in who God is and carry around shame. Like if, you, if you're fully confident in what God says, then I've messed up, but God loves me and, and I'm going to continue, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to seek after who he is. And, and there's, it's not like a black and white. Um, I, told, I, I threw that idea past Waterbury and he was like, no, 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 there's gradations. Like you, the more confident you become, the more you begin to just drop the shame and walk in, in liberty and freedom. And the same is true the other way. And I, and I believe that if you're not walking in, your full, in, this, in a full confidence, you're on your way to some level of carrying around shame. Like Satan is going to just backpack and butt slap. Like he's just going to stick you back into that cyclical loop if we don't maintain our confidence. Shame works better for creating distance, I think, especially in my life. Maybe not. But the goal, you know, is perceived distance between us and God, and we don't want that. But again, God always has a plan and a purpose. Like, God always wins. And, and the answer to all of Satan's useless tricks is, is 1 John 3.18. Um, and I love this verse. I've been reading about this verse for the longest time. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. By this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, if our hearts con- does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And we ask whatever we, re- and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. It's so cool. He says, if our hearts condemn us, so if you are your conscience, your shame, you're carrying this stuff around, God is greater than that. And if you don't, then you have full confidence. Like, there's no, you're not, there's no way that you can, like, Satan's like, ah, I got you. Like, there's no way around it. If, if you're carrying around shame, God is greater than your shame. If you're not carrying around shame, we have full confidence in whatever we ask we receive because we keep his commandments. And right now, I mean, we're, we're not of the old law. We're of the, new, the newness of Christ. Like, our righteousness is seen through this, like, holy monocle in which Christ, you know, God sees through Christ to us. So when it says, and we ask and we receive because we keep his commandments, that's us. Like, and so, like, that's just another reason, like, when we're praying, you don't have to worry about, you know, what God thinks of you. He's excited. He can't wait for your prayers. It's fixed. So as the worship comes up, I've got a a question for you. What do you think he thinks about you? What do you think of Christ's death on the cross and your place in him? What do you think of his character? Is he loving? Is he angry? All of these things affect our confidence in him. I mean, we have all of these different things that we have reason to be confident in. Confident in, in, in Christ and in our death and like just the end times. Confidence in prayer. Confidence when we're struggling and God's going to uphold us. Confidence in God's ability to finish us, to be our developer. Confidence in Christ, our high priest. There's so many things and it all goes back to one thing. It all goes back to who you perceive God to be. Your confidence in him will be defined by who you perceive God to be. We, and Satan, 
is trying to distort your view of God. I mean, even me, I've got a great family. Father loves me and everything. But my father relationship doesn't do God justice at all. He, has, he wants to introduce lies into every single area of our lives. And so he's got the media. Satan's got all these different plans and purposes. And God just wants you to perceive him as he is. God is love. I mean, in the men's Bible study, we were just going through the love chapter. You know, the one that goes, at all marriages, they, they read this chapter. And says, you know, God is patient, God is kind. And love is patient, love is kind. But that's who God is. God is love. He, he, he loves. I mean, it, it, at the end of all of that, he says, you know, if, if I have the greatest knowledge but have not love, I'm nothing. Like every, this all goes back to do you think God is loving? Is his word true? Who you perceive God to be will define your confidence in him. And we, as a group, we want to throw off any, any false confidence or any lies of Satan. So kind of as we bow our heads, I just want you to ask God, you know, where is my perception of you wrong? Or where am I not fully trusting in and confident in who you are? Because we want to break free and we want to walk in who God's called us to be. So Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your plans and purposes. I thank you for your truth. I thank you that the first time we saw you, Jesus, you said, peace be with you. you. You are a God who desires for us to sit and rest and enjoy all that you have done. A God of, of relationship and, and, and just intimacy. God, would you just teach us who you are? In any area, Lord God, where we're holding back, or we don't trust you, Lord God, I pray that you would break in and teach us how truly trustworthy you are. Teach us, Lord God, to be confident in who you are, that we might sit and remain all the days of our lives, that we not sit and have the cherub fall out from under us, but, Lord God, we would be able to sit and walk out our lives in you. So, God, we commit our lives to you, and, and we just ask that you would bring revelation in these areas, Lord God. Teach us confidence and love. In your name we pray, amen.